The Winnipeg Jets are f- the first place in the NHL. They're, they're the number one team right now. I know. We just keep saying it over and over again to make ourselves believe it, but it is happening. The Jets are in first place. So why should we believe in them? Well, that happened to be the topic of Murata Tesh's latest piece at The Athletic, and he joins us now. The uh, Jerry Seinfeld lookalike. How much mileage are you getting out of uh, being called Jer- a lookalike of Seinfeld from an episode by Rick Bonus last week? How how much have you had to talk about this? <laughs> you know, uh, there was a real peak intensity for the first uh, 24, 48 hours after that, Christian. And, uh, you know, I changed the profile picture on Twitter. I, I made some references. The Jets account was uh, was tweeting about it as well. So I had a little bit of fun. And uh, it's been a minute since I've heard reference, except for at home, actually, Christian. Uh, Haley is uh, is is on a Seinfeld binge, so now I'm yeah. surrounded by it. We'll see how long that one lasts. Okay, well, you, you, the haircut, we'll see what happens if Rick Bonus says anything tomorrow after the game in the media center. But uh, the Jets are in first, and this has been, uh, it's more than just a blip. It's its its uh, a long-sustained stretch. Without spoiling your piece, I guess, why should we believe in the Winnipeg Jets? Because this time last year, they were also near the top, and then everything fell apart. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question on fans' minds, I think, is, well, why should we believe this time? And, you know, you can, well, I'll, I'll do this as well. I know you've been talking about it, um, you know, all the stations have been covering it thoroughly, but six wins in a row, 8-0-2 in their last 10, they're 10-1-2 in December, and then undefeated in January so far. Every time they have a game where you're looking at the schedule and thinking they should be tired, okay, they might phone that one in. A different version of this team might not have gone as hard against Arizona, playing third time in four nights, sixth time in nine nights, all the time zones. You used to hear the Jets you know, talk about the very real travel, extra travel that they do because they're flying out of Winnipeg in the Western Conference, and none of those things have mattered. The Jets have the best goals against per game in the league, the fewest goals against given up in the National Hockey League, the second best goal differential. Their five-on-five game is as good as it gets. And that's where I would start the answer to why should this last. Last season, they were squeaking by one-goal games, overtime games. They were doing remarkable things given how many players were hurt at this time last year. But there were cracks in that five-on-five armor. And five-on-five is where most of hockey gets played. You can tell if a team is connected, how much they believe in each other, how strong the system is, by how well they're controlling the flow of play at even strength. And Winnipeg is doing exactly that so far this year. Lots of reasons for it. But that's why you'd say the success they've had so far, okay, maybe they won't finish first in the league this season, but they're a very good team, and they'll be close to the top. They've earned it. So let's start with the defense because it's it's pretty well the same six that were out there last year. Dylan Sandberg, another year of experience. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty much the same and they're defending at a much better level. How much of that is just getting used to Rick Bonus's system and how much of that is the forwards are playing better defense and that only helps the defense? I think those are the two biggest factors right there. One of the interesting things, if you look at hockey through an analytical lens, is you see that when a player moves from one team to another, their offense almost always comes with them. Somebody who generates chances in New York is going to generate chances in Philadelphia. Somebody who does it in Winnipeg is going to do it in Nashville, that sort of thing. But when you look at their 
underlying defensive numbers, you know, how many chances they give up when they're on the ice, that's a little bit harder. And that's because coaching influences defensive strength. Team buy-in influences defensive strength. Who you're on the ice with. All those little contextual things that people talk about seem to impact defense more. And the reason I bring that up is because when you have the exact same group of guys last year to this year, and all of a sudden the improvement is there, I credit coaching for that. I credit team play for that. And the fact that the defensemen on the team can trust that forwards are going to be coming back um, all of the time, not just most of the time. They can trust that it's not just the center who comes back and plays, you know, in the middle in the defensive zone, but the wingers are tracking those uh, opposing defensemen better. They're cutting off seam passes in the defensive zone. Just because they're on the side of the ice, the puck isn't, doesn't mean they've given up on their defensive responsibilities. And then you add another year to the fact that they've been playing under bonuses system for this long. And I think the habits are just so much better that they fall back on, even if they're tired, they fall back on protecting the middle of the ice, the way that's being preached in Winnipeg right now, add all that up. And, you know, you get stops early in the shift, you go on offense, you do what you need to do. And I think Winnipeg's had a lot of success that way. The additions of Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav Nemesnikov at the trade deadline last year. I remember it. I was part of this. I said, eh, that's it. But now we see two pros, very versatile and very responsible defensively. Add on to that, Gabriel Velarde, Alex Ayafalo. And it just seems like this team has done a great job. Kevin Chevaldeoff has done a great job of fitting bonuses system with just good pros. How do you feel about that? I feel very similarly. I rated both of those trades highly for the Winnipeg Jets. Niederreiter and Nemesnikov acquired for a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. This is quality coming back for not very much in terms of assets. But I was wondering, okay, well, if the team was meant to have success and they had cap space and you knew that Blake Wheeler and maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois and their players on the way out, you know, wouldn't you go for it a little bit harder and even more aggressively than that? And so there was criticism there. It turns out the pieces that they got, not only did they fit well last season, but they're here now again. Uh, sure, Dubois and Wheeler are gone, but um, Velarde is back or is here. Kupari is here. I follow is in Winnipeg as well. And between those, the extensions for Shifley and Hellebuck, now you've got a retention plan. Now Niederreiter is sticking around. Now you can look forward and say that you know a lot of the key pieces, there's stability where there didn't used to be. And the way those pieces are fitting in, just like you said, I think every single line has somebody willing to do the dirty work, which I think the Jets were sorely lacking in past seasons. They can defer to their skill a little bit much. And then it's not just the fact that Niederreiter, let's say, as an example, is willing to drive the net and then track back all the way to the far post of Connor Hellebuck to stop a chance against. And you've seen that so many times but you're also seeing that creep into the skill players. You're seeing Mark Shifley play a great defensive game. Kyle Connor had improved before he got hurt. Nikolai Ehlers is making great plays and then sending Shifley in on breakaways. There is so much going on, and I think it starts with filling out what was a glaring need for the Jets last year, and those are the types of players that Nemesnikov and Niederreiter are. The departures of Wheeler and Dubois. We don't know what goes on in the room. We're not in there. It strikes me that the overall buy-in is better this year. I'm not saying it's because Wheeler and Dubois aren't there anymore, but it feels different now that they're gone. Is this just me or am I reading into things too much? 
Well, because of the consistency of performance, you, you go to why are things different? And I think that there's some validity to the thought as well. It doesn't mean they were monsters as people or anything to that degree. But I think it's clear. Everybody knows by now Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out of Winnipeg. He wanted to play the rest of his career somewhere else. And Rick Bonus has said this many times. One of the best things about these Winnipeg Jets this season is everybody who is here in Winnipeg wants to be here. You have Niederreiter making jokes about, hey, I thought it would be colder. You know, he fits right into the into the love of the city and the place that they're from. And I don't think Dubois had that quite as much. Um, and I think that that is something that players notice. And I think that when he went, you know, from great play in the first half to poor play in the second half, I think his teammates noticed, and not everybody was a fan, even if they really liked the guy off of the ice. Um, with Blake Wheeler as well, I mean, he was just such a large and central figure to, to Winnipeg Jets dynamics for so many years. I think that uh, I think that it was time for that room to go into a different direction. They did it in half measures last season by taking the captaincy away and then full measures with the buyout. And now you're seeing like Mark Shifley as a loose, lighthearted and, you know, wonderful interview this season. There's a, a relaxation in that room. And I think Adam Lowry's captaincy has been marked by people feeling comfortable being themselves in the Winnipeg Jets locker room. And I think that does go a long way. Nikolai Ehlers finally getting run on the first line. People are starting to take notice that, oh yeah, this guy at five and five is really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that top line has outscored its opposition, something like 17 to three in the time that he's been on that line. The last time that Mark Shifley was outscored at five on five in a hockey game was in November. And like, this is a remarkable performance. And one of the reasons is because Ehlers is, as effective as people have been trying to argue that he is for so long. Um, he's such a good player in transition. He has a lot of offensive talent. Um, there has frequently been concern about his ability to play defense uh, in his zone, and his coverage there has been great. Just look at the goals that he set up for Shifley the other day, defensive plays leading to offense. There's been a commitment from him, a buy-in from him, and most importantly, the coaching staff has given him the minutes. Cal Connor's injury plays into that for sure it does. So now they've got a conundrum coming up about how to play their continued to success uh, when, when Connor returns to health. Um, but to have seen it work as well as it has should give the Jets all kinds of confidence in, in Nikolai Ehlers and their entire forward group. It is too soon to ask this, but I will ask it anyway, because I'm going to probably ask you again the next time I have you on in a few weeks. But regarding moves to be made, at the deadline, I plan on going through each champion uh, at some point as a research project for myself, the, def the defending champs of the last 10 years and look to see what they did at the deadline and how much that helped them and to see what the Jets might look at. But from your point of view, Kyle Connor comes back at the start of February. That's one thing, whether he starts on the first or second line. What do you feel this team needs, if anything, going forward? That's a great question because... The Jets have played so well, and I believe sustainably well, that you could buy the argument that the mix is right, that you don't need to change a lot of what's going on in Winnipeg to continue to have success. At the same time, the Jets have built up an awful lot of cap space, and they're going to have even more of it uh, you know, at deadline day. I think they're going to be able to add just around $5 million worth of contracts or even more, depending on their health picture between now and then. That's substantial. and. 
if you're going shopping on behalf of the Winnipeg Jets, I think you know one more dominant two-way centerman would be a luxury. But if you're going shopping, you know the idea of a Travis Konechny type player out of Philadelphia would be enticing. I'm sure uh, they could go further down in terms of depth. Sean Monahan has had a solid season in Montreal after some struggles. He's great at faceoffs. That's the type of player that you know could help add to Winnipeg's depth on defense. I would imagine it would be players that add. Uh, toughness while still being able to contribute, you know, in transition and on offense, because, you know, Rick bonus wants his defenseman jumping up and that defensive core is, you know, has won its minutes. They've played a great, uh, a great season so far. I think it's just about, uh, about depth and a little bit added snarl. If you're, if you're, if you just want that piece of luxury heading into the playoffs, that peace of mind, perhaps. Do you think, and I'll get you out of here on this. Do you think it's possible that Velarde, Shifley and Ehlers just, that's how it's going to stay for the rest of the season. You know, I think it's possible. I, I don't know how you can look at the success they've had and, you know, the way that they've outscored any and all opposition for so long um, and not consider it as a great option for a team going forward. I think Kyle Connor's track record of offense and Mark Shifley's chemistry and stated chemistry with Kyle Connor as well probably mean you're going to see those two players play together again at some point. Now, I say that, and of course, Connor and Dubois used to play together quite a lot as well. Clearly, he can play with a lot of different players. I just can't help but think that if you're uh, Rick Bonus, from his perspective, sizing up Winnipeg's left wingers, he's seeing Connor as a 1A and Ehlers as a 1B more than the other way around. Well, Murat, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. Everyone go read his article on The Athletic, and I'll see you tomorrow night for maybe a Seinfeld comment or maybe not. <laughs> Sounds good, Christian. Thanks for having me. Radatesh of The Athletic, Jets and Columbus tomorrow night here on CJOB. All right. The big CFL news of the weekend came out of Edmonton. First, last week, it was reported that Taylor Cornelius would be released. And then the news that McLeod Bethel Thompson is returning to the Canadian Football League yesterday, making it official the Elks did. They had signed him for one year and uh, pretty good money as we are joined by Dave Campbell, analyst on 630 Ched for Elks broadcast. Dave, when you heard that the law firm of McLeod, Bethel and Thompson was coming to Edmonton, what was your initial reaction? You know, when I first heard the rumor, Christian, it was before Christmas and my knee jerk reaction was honestly the reaction of, of the fan base is, well, what about Trey Ford? I mean, I mean, why not let him develop more and why not let him, you know, get the ball? Why not let him start? As Chris Jones said at the uh, season ending news conference that he was going to walk into training camp as the uh, number one quarterback. And then I thought about it more and then I thought about it more. And I said, you know, if this comes to fruition, I think this is a good move for the Edmonton Elks. And I still feel that way. Um, you know, the dollar figure, you know, 450 hard money incentives that could push it to 500000 or more. Yeah, that, that's a lot of money, but it's the cost of doing business to bring in an established CFL starter who has two great cup rings under his belt. Now, one, he was a part of, or, you know, got to watch Ricky Ray and company win in 2017 then was a big part of the win in 2022. Um, I think it's a good move for the organization who badly need wins. And I think it is a good move for Trey Ford, even though I'm sure this news is a, you know, it, it probably stings for him. And uh, 
I like that McLeod Bethel Thompson today said, I did reach out to Trey Ford this morning to start building that relationship. And he said he acknowledged that, you know, he or he let or what I think the quote was, I gave Trey Ford space to let him be disappointed and to tell me why. And then after that, it's like, okay, let's get down to business. So, yeah, I think initially I was like, really? And now I'm like, no, I think this is a good move and a needed move. Trey Ford is still very young, has four and six in his 10 starts last year after a mm-hmm. disastrous time with Taylor Cornelius and Jared Daggy. Is this kind of a, a mentorship program perhaps that could come out of this where you're getting McLeod Bethel Thompson for a year, maybe two, and then it's Ford's time? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big question here. And I think, I think that's the intent here, but I think beyond 2024, it's a, it's a little, you know, fuzzy about, you know, the future of McLeod Bethel Thompson and more importantly, the, the, the future of Trey Ford. Now he's going into his final year of a three-year deal. Uh, Chris Jones today uh, from the GM meetings in Nashville was asked, uh, is there going to be any sort of extension uh, for Trey Ford as well? And Chris Jones said, there will be no extension. He'll be on his rookie deal. So he'll be on his minimum salary of you know, $70,000 this year. And I think they need to do that just because they're trying to keep uh, some costs down. You know, we've seen some releases of Stephen Dunbar Jr. in the receiving core. And, you know, we haven't uh, had the news yet about Taylor Cornelius, but I think that's coming about his release. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Trey Ford needs someone with CFL experience to help mentor him. And, you know, he had a little bit of that from uh, from Nick Arbuckle in 2022 early. But, you know, even Nick is, you know, when you look at experience, you know, it, it, it was better than nothing. It, it, Nick is a good guy. But Trey Ford has basically been learning from, you know, basically it's sort of baptism by fire, you know. I mean, the quarterback room has been filled with Taylor Cornelius and Jared Daigie, like you said, and, uh, now you bring in someone that is, yes, he's 35 years old, which certainly in pro football now, not very old for a quarterback. Um, someone who's been there, done that, has won, and has executed at a high level. I think it's needed for Trey Ford. But there are question marks, right? I mean, is how will Trey Ford react to this? Does he want to sign back with the Elks? There's all this, I think, wild speculation on social media that, okay, this is it. And I don't know. I don't know if this is it for Trey Ford. I don't know if he'll want to go back east or whatever. I think we need to just let this play out in 2024 and see what happens and what will the season look like at the end of it. Uh, And hopefully for the Elks, they need wins badly. And if that happens, um, you know, I think I think everyone's in a better spot. Well, the question is, is McLeod Bethel Thompson good Uh, still? He, as you mentioned, was a big part of Toronto's success and. 2023 through 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 for a lot of yards. He threw yeah. a lot of touchdowns. He threw enough picks as well. In 74 games, 70 touchdowns, 49 interceptions. That is a lot of picks. Uh, and then this past year in the USFL, had 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 2,400 passing yards in 10 games, leading that team to a seven and three record. I don't know if that means anything because the USFL. I'm not sure what the talent comparison is of that to the CFL. The game's different. It's US rules. So. Yep. Uh, they're, they're, but their hope, it's kind of a one-year hope that it, it sounds to some degree too, like Chris Jones has had enough losing and recognizes that maybe his job isn't like uh, ironclad safe. He needs to get some wins. Yeah, I think this is a winner else year uh, for Chris Jones. I really do. Um, and I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's, uh, you know, uh, ignorant enough to, 
to to not realize that, right? It's the 75th anniversary of the of the franchise as well. So this is a big year, and also there's the ownership issue uh, that's being explored with the with the club led by the interim CEO and president uh, Rick Lawlisher about what is the best ownership structure. And I'll tell you right now, I do believe at some point they're going to have a private owner or a private ownership group. So there's a lot going on here, Christian, and no question. And you know the the term self-preservation has been has been used on uh, you know I've heard that from people on social media and you know people that I work with around the office and my response back to them is, is you're correct and what's wrong with that right <laughs> any coach in pro sports or GM in pro sports is going to try you know and, and and when it's desperate I mean look at Craig Dickinson last year with the Riders I mean they signed Trevor Harris for I think and you know uh, for some of the same reasons, it didn't work out for Craig Dickinson because Trevor Harris unfortunately got hurt uh, in July. But uh, it's it's the same thing, and yeah, they got to win. They got to win here. I mean, this is a team that has won in the last two years under Chris Jones eight wins. If you go back further to the midway point of the 2019 season, uh, this is a franchise that has won 13 times and have lost around well somewhere in the mid 40s. Uh, to high 40s so yeah they got to turn the ship around so it's survival mode and it's 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 trying to you know right the ship and this is a group that's going to come back with a a lot of the same parts and they're not going to be overly active in free agency i believe they're going to you know try and re-sign some key pieces before free agency and you know maybe you know uh you know try and prove some depth in in free agency but I don't think they're going to go out and spend like crazy like they did, you know, with Kenny Lawler two years ago and Eugene Lewis and company last year. But, uh, yeah, it's winter else for Chris Jones, and he knows that. Is there a perception that Chris Jones doesn't like trade trade forward? And I don't think that's true. Okay. I, you know, I, I do think there might be difference in philosophy at times. You know, maybe Chris Jones – draft to Trey Ford for maybe a different reason than Trey Ford thought. And, you know, remember, because I remember the week before, I believe, the, the two-quarterback rule came in where you can have a second quarterback on the field. And I know Chris Jones believes in the athleticism of Trey Ford. We all have seen it. But also, he went to the University of Buffalo uh, for the his pro day along with the assistant GM, G. Roy Simon. They also were very impressed with the ability – as a quarterback and his, the throws he was able to make. And, you know, we've got to remember, Chris Jones drafted Trey Ford and actually made a trade to move up in, or, or sorry, to gain another pick in the first round to draft Trey Ford when other teams didn't want to. Um, so that took a lot of guts. It's a risk. It's a risk. But I do think we got to remember this. And you mentioned it, four and six last year, he was one and two the year before. And, so that's a five and eight record. Trey Ford has done some things that make you go, wow, like this is magic. Uh, but there's a lot of rough edges here, Christian. He is a raw quarterback who played about 30 U sports games and missed a year like everyone else did of U sports because of COVID. So he's a raw, raw product who's got a lot of talent. And if circumstances were different here in Edmonton, let's say they've won 16 to 22 games you know, roughly over the last two years. And we're talking differently that maybe there's a little bit more patience with Trey Ford. 
But, you know, and, and as far as developing a quarterback, but they just don't have that time. Chris Jones doesn't have that time anymore. He's got to win now. But, no, I think, I think there's still a belief that uh, Trey Ford still can be a factor for this team down the road. But I think this is a moment for him to, or a season for him that maybe he steps back. Uh, and Well, he will have to step back because McLeod Bethel-Thompson will be the starting quarterback. And it's not to say that Trey Ford won't be needed at some point because as we have seen, Christian, this is now turning into a two-quarterback league because of injuries, because quarterbacks can't stay healthy like they used to. So um, I, I don't think Chris Jones looks at Trey Ford and says, I've given up on you. I think it's, look, Trey, we're giving you someone that you can mentor under, and I think it's going to be valuable for you for your future well, and that we saw that in the 2022 Grey Cup where McLeod Bethel-Thompson got banged up and wasn't all that great, and Chad Kelly comes in and wins the game for them. So there might be a game or two where that happens with Trey Ford, and I guess it, I'll get you out of here on this. Is it an optimistic feeling in Edmonton surrounding this signing? What is the general feeling amongst fans regarding McLeod Bethel-Thompson's arrival? I think there's a lot of people upset because they... They saw the uh, excitement that Trey Ford brings. Uh, I know that the team invested a lot of their marketing dollars with Trey Ford. Their season ticket base has improved dramatically from a year ago as far as renewals and new season ticket holders. And I think a lot of fans, quite honestly, are going, well, I feel duped now. Like you said Trey Ford was going to be my quarterback to watch, and now we're not going to have him anymore. We're going to bring in a mid-30s guy who can't move. Um and I, I don't share that sentiment, but, you know, that, that's what they're saying. Um, but there's some that are understanding of this, that, look, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, like, is he the elite of the elite in the, in the CFL right now? No. But I can only name about two quarterbacks that might be better than him or that are better than him. One is one that resides in Winnipeg and Zach Caleros. The other is Vernon Adams. After that, you have a debate. But I would put uh, McLeod at around three or four right now as far as the best quarterback in the league. And I think that's an improvement because I don't think you could say that about Trey Ford or any of the quarterbacks that finished the season in Edmonton. Uh, and, and I think that's the, that's the point here. Um, but some understand that, but a lot are very upset. I mean, a lot of people were very excited about what Trey Ford did, even though there were some rough patches, there were some very exciting moments as well. So, but you know what gets people excited too, Christian winning, Winning mm-hmm. gets people excited. Why do people plunk their dollars down to go to IG Field in Winnipeg to go see Zach Caleros do his thing? And maybe he, and he's not Trey Ford, but he's a damn good quarterback, and everyone loves watching him. And it's it's that's what that's what sells is winning. And if you if you win, if McLeod Bethel Thompson can lead in the wins and and help spark an offense with. Kevin Brown is the running back. It's the dynamic receivers they have, and you, you know, led by Eugene Lewis. Fans are going to love watching the Elks in 2024. Absolutely. Well, let's see how it goes. We'll find out in many months. Dave, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll check in as we get closer to the season. Can't wait. Anytime, Christian. Thank you. Dave Campbell from 630 Chet in Edmonton, part of the broadcast booth, booth with Morley Scott. David Morley for the Final Cafe fans out there. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. 
We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this. Place.